0: Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, I try to avoid a natural disaster. Doug battles phlegm the entire show. Stay tuned for that. Also, we go down the trade history of the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats and this. You can get a three-piece meal, and I get all of that. No, it's not
1: a three-piece meal. No, I understand what it is, oh right? When God, you, you don't. You clearly, like don't. Is, you clearly don't. You clearly don't. You are Locked
0: On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In
1: a minute, lie. we live. live. live.
0: I'm currently under a tornado warning. There's tornadoes all over the area. The rain is coming down as hard as it has maybe in the last year. Doug is phlegmy. He's sneezing all up in my ear. It's gross. He's trying to get some of the mucus up from under his chest, but the show must go on. I don't know if the power's going to hold up. Don't know if my internet's going to hold up. Show must go on, though, Doug. Mmm. So sick. So sick. I'm under- <laughs> I'm undergoing some severe problems. the The power really could cut out at any moment. So we got to fly through this show today. We have a fun one because it's NBA trade deadline day. You might expect us to talk about some of the trades that have already happened in at least this year, right? It's difficult
1: because the deadline is at 3 o'clock. And so Mm -hmm. anything we say, if you're listening after 3 o'clock, might might be inaccurate. In fact, it seems like right now that the Memphis Grizzlies and the Miami Heat are just slowly swapping teams. This information Mm -hmm. is just trickling out. We don't know the full extent of the deal that's going on that's sending Andre Iguodala to Miami. But it just seems like they're swapping teams slowly, one player at a time. Yeah, we've had
0: Dion Waiters and James Johnson now go to Memphis. Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder are now going back to Miami. Justice Winslow, of course, had already been the key cog in the return for Memphis in order to get rid of Andre Iguodala. Uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens there with Miami because Gallinari, also in the mix, don't know if he's going to go to Miami. Um, we're going to talk, I guess, a little bit about that, but mostly today we're going to talk about the history of the Charlotte Hornets and all of the trades that they've made, Doug. Do we have every single trade the Hornets have ever made?
1: Almost. Uh, I did. I went to Real GM to pull up a lot of these trades. I skipped some of them that I didn't feel like were important or interesting to talk about. And then it was. It's difficult to figure out like the draft pick trades and then what those players turned into. Yeah. And I didn't have a lot of time. I'm very flemmy, and so I did the best that I could. But it's a good list, and I think it'll it's be a great interesting. List.
0: No, I'm not going to clown you today. This is an excellent producer day for you. I appreciate all your hard work, despite all of the phlegm that you have. And I'm excited to go down the history. We have a ton of trades. And I'm surprised that we don't have every single trade a part of the Bobcats slash Hornets history. So we will get to all of that later on in the show. Did you want to open up with some of the trade deadline discussion as it stands currently in 2019-2020, Doug? Or did you want to go straight into some of the history of the Hornets?
1: Uh, let's, let's talk about what's going on today. We can just pretend that we can talk to people in the future. That's what we should do. We should talk to people in the future, future, future. So I hope you future listener are living in a world where the Hornets have done nothing. I hope they do nothing. I hope they stick with this young, exciting core that we have available to us now as fans to be excited about. I hope they stick with that core and do nothing.
0: So I have a source, but my source is Rick Bunnell. Rick Bunnell came on the show on the wake-up call earlier this morning, and he said that he knows for a fact that Dallas is interested in MKG. And so if they do something by moving MKG just for anything, just for a second-round pick because he's not getting any playing time, I think that's a move that you're okay with. I think even, anything revolving around Marvin Williams, anything revolving around Bismack Biombo, I think those were, would be the things that you'd be okay with regarding the Hornets making a trade, but 90% I'm with you, Doug, because all of the rumors have been Julius Randall, Bogdan Bogdanovich, although the Kings make a, a deal yesterday that illustrates them trying to save money in order to pay him once his contract is up. So I think Bogdan's probably off the table. Sacramento wants him back. Uh, Right. And we talk about some of the buyout candidates. You know, I I don't think that's going to happen. So if any of those veterans are moved, then cool. But I'm with you, Doug. I mean, a no-move is probably a good move for the Hornets.
1: Yeah, you're right. Veterans for second-round picks, I think we would be okay with that. But I'm really excited to talk about this trade history that we have coming up. I've got Bobcats trades. I've got original Hornets trades. I've got new Hornets trades. I've broken them up into eras so we can talk about sort of what they meant for the franchise at large. If you're interested in that, make sure you stick with us. Uh, But, Walker, we have to have a conversation. We have to start the conversation because I'm panicking about Valentine valentine's day and i and and i have to figure out a gift and i'm glad We've started
0: a lot of conversations have you have you noticed that we have been the podcast to start a lot of conversations the last couple of days i love it We're i want to start for- a,
1: i want to start a conversation that's what i want to do here on this show that is the goal of this show you're lucky even though there there are tornadoes abounding in <clears throat> excuse me phlegm meeting three phlegm
0: Flem. nato
1: i've got a Flem nato going on over here it's just cold and wet it's like the perfect phlegm day anyway You're lucky. This is what I'm trying to say, Walker. You're lucky that you are in Charlotte because you can take advantage of the Valentine's Day offer from Queen City Beauty Group for your Valentine's Day gift. Queen City Beauty Group is a boutique spa with only custom services. That means that every treatment is customized to the individual client's specific skin and condition. Owner and operator Nichelle Mosley is a 2018 and 2019 repeat back-to-back international award-winning aesthetician. Nichelle specializes in treating diverse skin tones with life-changing results. They offer international award-winning treatments for acne, age management, hyperpigmentation, skin tags, milia, sagging skin, fine lines and wrinkles, rosacea, sun damage, and body contouring. They do everything. Here's what you gotta do. Book a Valentine's special today for you or someone you love, only $79. Boutique Spa, $79. It includes a consultation and a consultation and an amazing custom treatment with Nichelle Mosley at Queen City Beauty Group. You also get a $50 gift certificate for a future visit and a special gift from Queen City Beauty Group. It's altogether a $250 value. To book, go to queencitybeautygroup.com, book the Valentine's special, and make sure you type locked on in the comments section of the appointment form. I think I just said make sure. Flem, Flemmy.
0: First ever trade in Charlotte Hornets history. Next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there, and then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it just it'll it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. The unfortunate thing about doing a recorded podcast when you have a trade deadline day is the fact that we're reading some of these tweets and updates real time, but you could be listening to this well into the future. So as of 1242, Bobby Marks just tweeted out a couple of minutes ago, literally two minutes ago as of this time. We now project six teams to have room in 2020. It'll be Atlanta, Charlotte, Cleveland, Detroit, New York, and Phoenix. The Knicks and Pistons have an asterisk because of the non-guaranteed contracts and the Andre Drummond player option. So just something to mention at the top before we dive into the history of the Charlotte Hornets trade um, and what they've done.
1: But do note that even though the Hornets will have cap room, every indication that we have from Mitch Kupchak and the rest of the franchise is that this team does not project to be one of the teams that makes major moves in free agency, and, and I think as a fan, you shouldn't want them to do that at this point. I think they're a few years away from being a player either in the trade market or in free agency. Like, I don't want them doing what Memphis is doing right now. Yet,
0: people like you don't exactly entirely trust old Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets because of the history that they've given us, Doug. It's not about
1: Mitch. It's not about Mitch. Let's make that clear. It's not that I don't trust Mitch. It's that I don't trust the franchise. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like Mitch. I like what he's doing in the draft. I haven't seen what he can do in the trade market yet, but I trust Mitch.
0: All right. Let's go in the draft history. Not the draft history, I should say. Let's go in the trade history. Let's go in the vault, Doug. What's the first ever trade in Charlotte Hornets? I guess at the at the time, it was the expansion team. What's the first ever trade in history? Today?
1: Yeah, this actually happened prior to them ever playing a game. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets acquired Robert Reed in July of 1988 and a second-round draft pick in 1990 from the Houston Rockets in exchange for Bernard Thompson, whom... The Hornets selected in the National Basketball Association expansion draft. So they, they got Bernard Thompson in the draft and then flipped that for Robert Reed and a second round draft pick back to the Houston Rockets. I had to do some digging for that trade, by the way. It wasn't entirely clear who the Hornets received or who the Hornets gave up for Robert Reed. They would later trade Reed in 1989 to the Blazers for Richard Anderson.
0: Yeah, did he did he come back with the Hornets or I'm I'm looking at his basketball reference page. I think that's just a total year that I often gets me mixed up. Um yeah, Robert Reed, longtime player, by the way. Man, I think he played for 13 seasons. That's what I was able to dig up on Robert Reed. Otherwise I'd never heard of him. He
1: had a sick moustache. Looks right, good. Next he looked up, like up. who was the, there was the big guy in uh, police academy. Not the one that did the not the one that did the it was a really tall guy. He played it I played football, I believe. Hightower. That's who Robert Reed looked like. Anyway. Um, okay, so I'm going to f- go to 1992, and really it has to do with 1992 and 90- 1995. In 1992, the Hornets traded a disgruntled Kendall Gill, who was like a 20-point-per-game scorer, but didn't want to play for the franchise anymore. And the Hornets said, all right, bye-bye, Kendall Gill. Only They traded him to the Supersonics only to trade back for him years later in 1995. So there's a little Kendall Gill history for you. Didn't Didn't want to play for Charlotte anymore.
0: Yeah, that's where my fish got his name, Kendall Gills. How about a little Kendall Gills history? By the way, that pl- that guy's name that you were trying to think of, Doug, I think it's Bubba Smith after our research team got on it.
1: That's right. But I think his name in the Police Academy movies was Hightower, but it was Bubba Smith who played in the NFL. I'm not sure for who. Okay. okay. This era of Hornets trade history is really where they made, uh, you know, they had these huge draft picks in Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning. And the crack staff in the Hornets front office were actually able to take those two situations, which soured, and turn them into assets that eventually brought the Hornets to consecutive 50-win seasons. In 1995, they acquired Glenn Rice and Matt Geiger from Miami in exchange uh, for Alonzo Mourning. Uh, they send Alonzo to Pat Riley, and of course he becomes a Hall of Famer and uh, you know declares that Miami is the team. That uh, represents him in the Hall of Fame. That's disappointing. And then, of course, July 1996, the Kobe Bryant trade for Vlade Divac. That would probably go down as one of the more historic trades in team history. Also in July 1996, later on, they would trade, uh, and they would trade for Anthony Mason, and uh, they traded Larry Johnson to the New York Knicks in exchange for Anthony Mason. So those you know, were, talk- those are big deals. Yeah, we've
0: talked about that quite a bit. That was the way that the Hornets. They could not hold on to stars, but Bob Bass at the helm of all of this, making really smart decisions. You know what? If I have to get rid of one of these stars because LJ and Alonzo cannot deal with each other, then we're just going to get a guy like Eddie Jones to come back or an Anthony Mason. Or we'll just we're just going to find a way to find a chain of all stars if one guy has to be moved. And it was really impressive. That's really tough to do.
1: Well, and you you know, this was an era of NBA history where you could dole out some really long-term deals with massive money, like nine, 10-year deals, the kind of deals you see uh, in the uh, National Hockey League. Um, th- these incredible deals that can really hamstring your franchise for for years. You see them in baseball, too, these nine, 10-year deals with massive money. And it seemed like that's what Larry Johnson wanted, but there were some injury concerns and ultimately they decided to let Larry Johnson go to New York. Now, from an emotional perspective, that stinks because Larry was such a part of the start of this franchise and a part of the national appeal of this franchise with his grandmama character. But really, I mean, after he went to New York, he certainly played well, but the injuries did hamper what he could do the rest of his career. So, so that
0: chain is crazy, right?
1: Just to go down it
0: one more time. I mean, Glenn Rice, in exchange for Zoe, Glenn Rice was amazing for three years. I think it's the only three years he ever was an all-star in the NBA. They were all with the Charlotte Hornets. And then, of course, you trade Glenn Rice in exchange for um, Eddie Jones. That was Anthony Mason, Larry Johnson swap. And then Anthony Mason, you send to the Heat, you get Jamal Mashburn. I mean, it's, it's crazy to see that kind of chain happen for the Hornets.
1: All right, so that's that's era one. And then you move into era two where they sort of break down those pieces and they send uh, Glenn Rice, J.R. Reed, and B.J. Armstrong. B.J., another player they acquired via trade. In 1999, they sent those three players to Los Angeles, again dealing with L.A., for Eldon Campbell and Eddie Jones. So you can see them start to bring this second era and what would end up being the last era of good hornets basketball before they moved to new orleans they do that in march of 99 then fast forward to august of 2000 big trade here a lot of players involved in this trade ricky davis dale ellis eddie jones and anthony mason were sent to miami it's like they only dealt with la and miami it's crazy so they sent those four players to miami in exchange for pj brown rodney buford tim james Jamal Mashburn, who you rated way too low in your list of all time hornets, and otis Thorpe, so that p j Brown Jamal, and in the course of a year, they have gotten p j. Brown, Jamal Mashburn, uh Eldon Campbell, and those would be three big pieces of their last little hornets run in Charlotte.
0: You know, I look at the list that I made a couple of years ago, and there is one regret when looking at this list, and it's not Jamal Mashburn. I feel like Alonzo Mourning should have been behind Larry Johnson. Oh, and wow. I, I went too much with how good Zoe was. Like he He was a better player in my eyes, just defensively protecting the rim. But Larry Johnson does mean so much more. And I made such a big deal about not meaning who were the best players on the court, but having that be a big factor and then trying to determine a lot of other things. And if I was going to do that, I probably... I don't know if I was hypocritical. I, I, Zoe was good, man. And he certainly is in the fabric at the beginning of the Charlotte Hornets all-star era, but Larry Johnson probably should have been ahead of Zoe. Jamal Mastern, you know, I love Jamal, but he's fine where he is.
1: So, I mean, if you take a look at that original Hornets history, you're seeing a lot of trades that brought significant players back that impacted the franchise in a really special way, despite them never reaching an Eastern Conference Finals um, these are players that we'll remember, I think, forever as Hornets fans. <laughs> the next era of Charlotte basketball, and that's so much. I think we should get to that in in the next segment. We'll get to the Bobcats era of of trades, and it's um, it's uh, checkered, just like those NASCAR jerseys they wore.
0: Yeah, so we we went down the list of a couple of guys that were ranked on my top thirty list. I haven't looked at this in a while. I had Jamal Mashburn fifteen in the top thirty. Unbelievable. At the time. And uh, I had uh, PJ Brown coming in at number 27. How about that? One more segment to go. We continue to look at the trade history of the Charlotte Hornets next on the Locked On Hornets podcast.
1: This is Locked On Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh, man. Dinner, dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. You know,
0: my power could go out in any second. My phone is going crazy with all of the emergency alerts, and yet I'm still Boach worried bombs. more about you. I'm worried more about you than myself, despite a natural disaster happening outside of these walls. I'm more worried about you because of all the phlegm that you're producing.
1: I'm worried about you because you don't know what a meat and three is. I mean I, can't imma- I mean, I can't imagine there are too many listeners who are actually from the South that listen to this show that don't know what a meat and three diner during the break, Walker said, is, is meat and three? Is that the name of a restaurant in Nashville? I that was a <laughs> what? Place in Nashville. I'm going to tell Nada's going to come on the show tomorrow, by the way. So make sure to tune in. Uh, I'm going to tell Nada that you don't know what a meat and three, a meat and three is a restaurant where you select one meat and mm-hmm. three veggies. Now I, for lunch, I'm not going to do a meat and three. Cause that's a one-way ticket to Napville. I do a meat and one, but a meat and three, that's like a common phrase. How do you not know this phrase?
0: I know the premise. The premise makes sense because yeah, of course everybody chooses meat. You didn't their meat. You asked me if it was the name of the restaurant. Well, I know the premise. I didn't know the saying though. I mean, I understand that's kind of a popular thing. You can get a three-piece meal and I get all of that. No, it's not a
1: three-piece meal. No, I understand what it is, oh right? You, you don't. You clearly, like don't. you clearly don't. You clearly don't
0: sides and I get all of that, right? I understand the premise of a meat and three. I just never I never knew that was a thing, though. Like, I never knew, yeah, man, I just had a meat and three meal. Like, I wouldn't have known what you were talking about.
1: You don't, no one says you have a, no, God, you don't get it. It's not, no one says, oh, I just had a meat and three meal. It's like, you're going to a meat and three. All right, we got to move on. I got a lot of Bobcats trade history to get to. You get three pieces of meat. I got it. Dumb God, that's it. (laughs) I hope a tornado lifts your house, Wizard of Oz style, off the ground. Yeah, there's
0: a there's three cows circling around right now. Does that mean three meats? Is the first era around? of
1: Bobcats trade history, no. I'm terming the eighth seed upgrade era. So I'm kind of fast-forwarding through those first couple of years where they were really focused on the expansion draft and then the actual NBA draft to build the team. We got to go to June 2007 when the Bobcats traded the draft rights to Brandon Wright and a trade exception to the Golden State Warriors in exchange for Jason Richardson and the draft rights to Jamario Davidson, so that was a huge trade. Jason Richardson, very very short time with the Charlotte Bobcats, but made a huge impact. In fact, he was like the leader in, in three point makes uh, franchise history for a while because of of uh, w- you know because they didn't acquire the old Hornet stats for so long.
0: Uh, so Jason Richardson comes in at thirty on my top list of all time. By the way, number thirty when I did that.
1: And then they would quickly flip him uh, for Rajabell, Bell, Boris Dial, and Sean Singletary. And then they would flip Rajah Bell and Vlad Rad, Vlad Radmanovich, back to the Golden State Warriors in exchange for Steven Jackson and A.C. Law. So you saw the Hornets in the first era only trading with Miami and L.A. And now this Bobcats team uh, trading with Golden State and Phoenix it seemed like exclusively uh, but they get Steven Jackson and they upgrade the team enough to bring in Larry Brown and get an eighth seed in a playoff appearance that uh, didn't go so well
0: man how about the college legends that you had a couple of ACC legends and Sean Singletary who was a beast at Virginia Jared Dudley was on those really good Boston college teams that probably underperformed in the NCAA tournament. And AC Law was an absolute beast at Texas A&M. Some fun college names.
1: And there. one more that I didn't include, I believe they also traded for Lonnie Baxter. Oh, man, yes,
0: 100%. Big, big tortured
1: tortured the, the Tar Heels. Tortured. Yeah,
0: them. they had. and Chris Wilcox was on that team from Greensboro. We're becoming that show right now. But yes, that team was awesome.
1: Okay, so now let's fast forward to the what I'm calling the shut-it-down era because they got to that playoff series and then realized, okay, this is unsustainable. This is not going to work. So in July 2010, they traded Alex Ajenka and Tyson Chandler. Ajansa. Ajansa, whatever. Come on. Turkey. Who cares? Alexis A- Ajenka. Tyson Chandler, and multiple Ajanza. trade exceptions to Dallas in exchange for Matt Carroll, Eric Dampier, and Eduardo Nahara. There you go. And then at the deadline in 2010, they traded Gerald Wallace in a move that fans really didn't like because Wallace was such a, a made such an impact for the Bobcats. They traded him to Portland in exchange for Dante Cunningham, Sean Marks, and Joel Prisbilla, 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 and so and a first round pick, two first round picks, cash, and a trade exception. And you had a note on this Gerald Wallace trade.
0: Yeah, I did. I talked again. I I asked Rick Bunnell earlier this morning if he had a special memory or one that comes to mind when he thinks about all the times that he's covered the NBA trade deadline day. And he said he did. He remembers when Gerald Wallace was talked about possibly being traded from the Bobcats organization. And at the time, head coach Paul Silas had spoken a couple of hours before the deadline and said, no, Gerald Wallace isn't going to go anywhere. And he was informed that Gerald Wallace was going to be still with the Bobcats. And then like two hours later, he was traded and Paul Silas kind of felt like a fool is what Rick was saying. Um, That, that always kind of bothered him that he had come out and said, no, Gerald's not going to get traded. And remember how angry fans were because that was our guy. I mean, he's probably the best Bobcats player of all time. Only all-star, right? Yeah. The only all-star in Bobcats history. Al Jefferson had become an all NBA player when he was named to the third team. Mm -hmm. But Gerald Wallace was the only all-star in Bobcats history. So people were pissed and then eventually they traded him to the Portland Trailblazers. And, you know, after Paul Silas had gave everybody a bow to confidence that, no, you were not going to lose your only hero. Paul Silas would later take out his anger on Dyrus Thomas. Yes, he would. Yeah, he was still <laughs> mad about that. Another thing I wanted to bring up when hearing all of these players is, man, talk about the hero that was Gerald Wallace for the Bobcats. Matt Carroll is absolutely a part of the fabric that is the Bobcats history. You could only keep Carroll away from Charlotte for so long. And now he's back, baby.
1: Okay, really quick. June 2011, again, this is the shut-it-down era. This was this, probably the second most complicated trade in Hornets-Bobcats history. Uh, John Salmons and the draft rights to Jimmer for debt were acquired by the Sacramento Kings in exchange for Bino Uterich and the draft rights to Biombo. And then Magetti. the draft rights to Biombo and a trade exception were acquired by the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for Steven Jackson, Sean Livingston, and the draft rights to Tobias Harris— and then uh, Stephen Jackson, Sean Livingston, Bino Uteridge, and the draft rights to Tobias Harris were acquired by the Milwaukee Bucks in exchange for Corey Maggette, John Salmons, and the draft rights to Jimmer Fredette. If you understood any of that, ah, you're a genius. I don't even understand, but all you have to know is that Stephen Jackson and Corey Maggette left, and they got the draft rights to Biombo the same year that they drafted Kemba Walker.
0: Yeah, we had some fun names for like a year and a half. Some good NBA names like Jason Richardson, Corey Maggette, and Steven Jackson. And we all love Stack Jack. We all love him. But it was like, you look at his time here, it was just a couple of seasons. And it's funny to see a couple of those good NBA names. They were just here for a little while. Tobias Harris, an interesting name I found in that one. Also, Sean Livingston. Livingston was really good um, in my eyes, but he kept getting bounced around after that injury that he suffered with the Clippers. Eventually, we would all know that he would become a champion with the Golden State Warriors, retiring I believe last year. Uh, I think that's right. With Sean, hadn't been in the NBA this season. So yeah, there's your history. There's your rundown of all of the trades, at least the important ones, the fun ones, the complicated ones that have happened in Hornets slash Bobcats history.
1: Well, and we've got plenty more. I think we should save some of these for tomorrow because I really want to dig in uh, to the new Hornets and what they were able to do to set up the playoff, the last playoff team that we were able to experience. But I really want to dig into them. I don't want to gloss over it, so maybe we save this for tomorrow. I do want to mention two other trades, though. So in that trade for Bianca, they actually acquired Corey Maggette. I'm sorry, I think I said he left. They acquired Corey Maggette. told you it was a really confusing trade. Uh, So that they would later undo in June of 2012. They would send Corey Maggette uh, to the Detroit Pistons in exchange for Ben Gordon and a conditional first-round pick. But greatest greatest trade in Bobcats history coming up right here. uh, 2013 second-round pick and a trade exception were traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder from the Charlotte Hornets, then Charlotte Bobcats, in exchange for... Lord Byron Mullins <laughs> and some cash.
0: Seven feet of smooth. That's your guy. We greatest and dunk in there.
1: Hornets history. Hornets we want to Wildcats end with that, history.
0: right? Will that be the tease to tomorrow's show, or how do you want to end?
1: This it, that I think that's a great idea. I think we've got okay. Nada Edwards on tomorrow to discuss his thoughts on the season so far and the young guys. And tomorrow we we will go through the trade history of the Charlotte Hornets, the Rich Cho era. Of right. the late Bobcats, early new Charlotte Hornets. It all gets confusing, but it's fun history.
0: Yeah, we wanted to leave you with Byron Mullins, and that will be the beginning Lord of the new era Charlotte Hornets that we deemed ended, by the way, once Cody Zeller got 13 minutes against the Houston Rockets. That was when the Rich Joe era finally died. I so know. that was it's over, Dave, and we'll continue to talk about some of the trades, man, Trader Cho, We'll talk about them on the next Locked On Hornets podcast episode. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Also, follow us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson Loh, and our show handle on Twitter at Locked Hornets.
1: Get out of here, Andre Drummond. <laughs>